A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Would it be going too far to directly attack a client that didn't pay you? We'll get into that in a bit, but first we got a story. Landlord tries to take advantage of me. So, my story begins around a year ago. I'm a 31-year-old female. I live in a one-room flat in London. I'd been living there for almost two years when the story went down. I'd moved into this flat after living with my ex of six years. We broke up and we were still sharing rent, so we had to take our own ways. Living alone after so long was definitely tough for me. I'd found the place listed on Facebook Marketplace. This was being offered directly by the landlord, who at first seemed really nice. He had a way with words because what seemed to be a nice place was suddenly an amazing flat thanks to a good seller. I was rather surprised when I visited the place for the first time because although the pictures looked really nice, the inside didn't. The building was in a middle class neighborhood and this certainly isn't what you would expect from a place here. The flat itself was exactly like the images showed. It looked like it had been remodeled not too long ago, so everything was looking nice, clean, and new. He offered me to get the flat unfurnished, but that would have been a massive pain in the bum at the time, so I took it as is. I moved in soon after and settled in pretty quickly. He still had to get a technician to make sure the place was all set, but that got taken care of in two days, so it was fine. I wasn't even home when they did it, so I didn't even know what he actually did in there. The contract I signed was for six months, with the first month of rent being paid up front and also the option to revoke the contract up to a week after the first month had gone by. I had no issues with the place for some time. The neighbors were nice too. I'd met my next door neighbor while arriving at my flat one day. She was around my age and was living with her boyfriend. I had some issues with my shower right around the one month mark living there and the landlord was super helpful about it. Given how good my experience was there, I decided to go on with the contract and stay there for the next five months. I eventually became pretty good friends with the chick next door. I remember her telling me about her previous neighbors, aka the people living in the place before me. It was a couple, which surprised me because it was already a tight space for just me and my things. Apparently they didn't get along as much as we did, but they had some tough times with the place and the landlord. That was what eventually led them to leave this place. I imagined they were maybe just crazy or super demanding, so I didn't see this as a red flag. I had a few interactions with my landlord whenever he was in the building. He wasn't much older than me, probably in his mid-30s at the time. I wasn't trying to become friends with my landlord, but it seemed like he was always finding some way to keep the convo going. It eventually made me feel slightly uncomfortable, so I kept our small talk small. That was until my shower broke down again. I wasn't getting any warm water, and considering I had my shower fixed not too long before this, I was pretty upset. I tried insisting to him to help me out, but it was him who was ignoring me now. Not long after, I was also having problems with my stovetop. Since my landlord kept on ignoring me, I got my dad to check the place out to see what might be the problem. It was actually an issue with the gas, and that was something only the landlord had control over. My dad helped me out by also making sure that he made the landlord aware of the problems with the flat. The intimidating factor of this 
finally made him do something about it. The gas issue got taken care of. There was also a problem with pipes that got taken care of. Sort of. Because not long after, maybe two or three weeks, there was a really strong smell coming from the bathroom. I asked my neighbors about this issue. I asked them if similar stuff had happened to them, but they said no. This was really annoying to me because I was only in the second month of my contract and I already had to get something fixed on three different occasions. It was an issue that showed up seemingly out of nowhere, but it was immediately noticeable. It was a strong smell. I constantly cleaned the bathroom just to make sure it wasn't just me being dirty, but that didn't help out at all. The smell eventually started leaking from the bathroom to the living room, and that was definitely an issue, so I decided to try and contact my landlord yet again. It wasn't as hard to get my landlord to help me out, but it was a very different interaction overall. When the technician stopped by, I was coincidentally not at home. I got home as the technician was leaving my place. As I arrived at the building, my landlord let me know that I would actually have to pay for a percentage of the repairs, since it was apparently my fault that this had happened. I was a bit surprised by this, considering I'm not one to take gargantuan dumps or anything. I wasn't sure how this could have been my fault. I protested the decision, but he continued to insist that it was my fault, and that because I'm a woman, I don't know what they're talking about, and therefore shouldn't be complaining. They had passed on the bill to me, where they explained the repair and what I would have to pay. I showed this to my dad in hopes that he would either prove my point and confirm that my landlord was trying to get me to pay for something that wasn't my fault, or just confirm that it was actually my fault and I would have to pay for it. Basically, I just wanted to get rid of this uncertainty. Turns out it wasn't my fault at all, and considering what he had seen the first time he tried fixing my shower, it was probably just caused by old parts and lack of maintenance. At this point, I wasn't even sure what I could do about this bill. I could have paid it, but it really upset me that he was trying to take advantage of me. I tried negotiating with this newly acquired knowledge provided to me by my dad. He insisted he wouldn't charge or revoke it unless I did a small favor for him. He clearly had ill intent with this proposal, and I immediately knew where this was going, so I got pissed, slapped him, and walked away. The problem had already been fixed, so I just decided to ignore my landlord for a while and see what he would do if I just never paid him for it. I noticed something for the next few days as I went to sleep. For some reason, there was a laser-like reflection coming from my TV stand, or at least somewhere close to it. I ignored it at first because I thought it might have been the reflection of the red light that comes from the TV, which indicates when it's on or off. However, after seeing this every single night for a week and a half, I was starting to get pretty upset. It's not like it was stopping me from getting sleep, but it was just an ick that I picked with that light that had me really upset. I took to myself to research what this might have been. Unpleasantly, a lot of the results I found were talking about the reflection being caused by a possible hidden camera. One way to find these is look for a reflection caused by a light source being pointed at it. This seemed to make sense, as the light on my TV was actually on the side of the stand next to an outlet where the reflections seemed to be coming from. Upon further investigation, I was able to confirm that there was in fact a hidden camera there. I was shocked. After all, I did everything in my bedroom. 
Yeah, like every normal person on the planet, I get changed in my room, I do stuff in my room, and a camera being there was a massive invasion of my privacy. There were only two possible scenarios in my mind as to who might have put the camera there. One of them was that the people who previously lived here installed it without telling the landlord about it, and they simply never removed it. The other scenario was the landlord installed it without me noticing and had been spying on me since. I don't like to claim so, but I'd say I am an above average attractive woman. Considering his attempt to get me to do things to get the bill issue settled, it seemed like the latter was the more likely scenario. I thought about it for some more time and put the dots together. This issue had begun after the last visit from the technician to my flat. And although I'd watched them as they did their job, the landlord was very shaky out of nowhere when I realized he had gone into my room for a while. I went to my neighbors with this information as I was genuinely clueless on how to go from there. I was almost certain it was my landlord, but since I had guests over in my place more than one time, I didn't want to throw these types of accusations around. They were just as surprised and disgusted by the idea of it. The girl's boyfriend was a lawyer, so he offered to help me out in case of any sort of legal action was necessary. It was good to know that at least someone had my back through this. I eventually decided to confront my landlord about what I had found. I took the outlet out with gloves and put it in a Ziploc bag as evidence. I showed it to him, making it clear that I was aware a camera was hidden there and that I was very upset. He tried to disregard the problem, claiming it could have been done by anyone who had gone into my flat. He also thought it was a good idea to bring up the unpaid bill again, and told me that if I didn't pay it, I would be evicted and fined for breaking the terms of the contract. I had no idea what terms he was talking about, because I was still focused on figuring this whole camera situation out. He once again tried getting intimate with me and thought I'd suddenly be all down to have sex with him just so I would pretend nothing had happened. I stormed off. I knew I wasn't going to let this slide. Guilty of the camera or not, I was tired of my landlord's attitude and seeing that he wouldn't be open to talking about it without hitting on me, I decided I would take matters into my own hands. I went straight to my neighbors and once again told them about my interaction with the landlord. I told them I wanted their help, and they were both glad to do so. I straight up asked this guy what was the most screwed up way I could get revenge on him, legally or illegally. He mentioned that there's a few ways that a landlord can get in trouble with government institutions. Most of them have to do with health codes and violations of these. Something not a lot of people are aware of in the UK is that whenever you start renting a property, your landlord needs to provide you with a gas safety certificate. As its name indicates, it's a pretty big deal and it's actually considered a criminal offense to not be given one when you rent a property. I had no clue this was a thing, but my neighbor was well aware of this. He had actually confronted the landlord about it, but they agreed not to say anything about it in exchange for a discount on his monthly rent. I had no interest in getting a discount, so I could actually use this against him. So we started from there and started scaling up our plan until we were certain we could get him into major trouble for his actions. Some of you might be thinking, well, you could have just moved out and moved on from the situation, but obviously that wasn't possible considering we were at around the four month mark of me living there and I had no intent in paying the extra fees and fines of leaving before the contract ended. 
At the same time, I didn't think it was right to pay this guy two more months of rent and pretend nothing happened, knowing very well he had been spying on me and tried getting intimately close to me on two different occasions. We had managed to get in contact with the repair company that works with our building and further tried to get in contact with the same technician who visited my flat to fix the smell coming from the bathroom. We did this to confirm with him if the damage was actually somehow caused by myself. He confirmed exactly what my dad had mentioned, which therefore confirmed that it wasn't actually my fault and that I shouldn't have been made responsible for the payment of these repairs. We had something else up our sleeves with the technician, but I'll leave that for the final reveal. For our next plan, I would try and provoke a reaction from my landlord. Only this time I would have at least a witness who could help later. We created said scene where both of my neighbors were witnesses of my landlord trying to sexually harass me in the building lobby. It took an emotional toll on me, but I knew it would be worth it in the end, as I'd put the bad guy in his place. Once we had sorted everything out, we finally started to execute the last part of our master plan. I reported my landlord to the health and safety executive. They're the ones who would take care of the lack of a gas safety certificate. I then also reported him to the police for harassment using both of my neighbors as witnesses of the last event. And as if that wasn't enough already, we got the technician to not only testify about how my landlord tried charging me for something that was not my fault, but also to act as a witness to seeing my landlord put the fake camera outlet in my room. Not long after, a lot of cops started coming by to ask me and my neighbors some questions. It's not like we were making the stuff up. These were things that all had genuinely happened. We just found a way to have evidence of this to put against him. Due to this, there wasn't much he could really do about it to defend himself against our accusations. He faced jail time for burglary, installing the camera itself in my house, invasion of privacy, and sexual harassment. Also, after being under all of this investigation, the building itself was inspected again to see if there were any other health violations. There were. The place had barely gone through any maintenance, and instead, he only made sure to make the place look nice on the surface while everything was crumbling behind the scenes. This case was eventually taken to court, and he was eventually sent to jail. How long? 10 years. Even if that sounds like not too long, he would still be registered as a sex offender. Basically, his life was kind of ruined. Just like his building, he seemed like a nice guy at first on the surface, but once his true intentions came to light, I wasn't going to allow this guy to take advantage of me. So yeah, you're welcome, mate. I think it's safe to say a criminal like that deserved every second of that jail time and more. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you're a fan of these nuclear revenge stories, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our final story of the day is attack. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Client for no payment. All right, so I'll give some background info first. 
I, 26-year-old male, graduated a few years ago from the university after studying comp sci. I'd always been very interested in cybersecurity and white hat hacking, so I took it into my own hands to learn about it with a few of my friends from uni. After lots of sleepless nights and countless hours of try to hack me, we had a decent grip on the subject. We eventually decided to start a cybersecurity consulting firm together. We all saw this as a good opportunity to make good money. Plus, who wouldn't like to hack people with your friends for a living? We all specialized in different things, but we would also sometimes work together in pairs or as a team. It was pretty tough at first to actually find clients, and we all had to take lower than expected hourly rates. I landed my first few clients, and I had no issues with any of them. I started at $35 an hour rate. We all followed a process with each client. The first part of the job was inspection. Depending if it was a website, a network, or a computer database, we would all proceed in a different way. Part of the job was literally to try and hack into whatever it is they wanted us to. This is known as penetration testing, or just pen testing for short. We would already charge for this part of the job, although we practically did it for free for the first few clients just to get more people to know about us. We would then make a report which would mention possible vulnerabilities in their system. After that, it was up to them if they wanted us to actually go and fix these vulnerabilities or not. 50% of the payment was actually taken up front before the pen testing part. After that, if they wanted us to continue and fix the problems, we would take payment once the job was done, plus the 50% price agreed on beforehand. If they only wanted us to do the pen testing, we would take the rest of the payment once the job was done. I received an offer from a client who showed interest in going through the entire process with them. That obviously means lots of hours of work, which was great for the stage of the firm at which we were at the time. We were contacted by the CEO of this company, which from what they first told us, was starting an expansion, and they wanted to check if any of their clients' info may be at risk due to a lot of changes going on in their website, network, and database. They wanted us to fix any vulnerabilities, of course, only if there were any. They requested us to be quick, as they wanted to launch their expansion as soon as possible, and of course, that meant more hands on the job. We made them aware of our rates, the people who would be working on it, and the approximate time it would take us. They agreed to all of the terms, and so we got to work. Their database was a mess. We saw some problems right off the bat, and so we knew this job was going to be a ride and a half. We were shocked at who wrote the code for their website. It was some of the most basic stuff we had seen on an actual professional company website. I'm surprised he didn't warn them earlier of how vulnerable their website was considering they had pretty sensible information on their hands. Good thing they came to us to help. A week went by and we were practically done with pen testing. We were only now going to start making the report for the company to be aware of what their issues were and how much it would cost them to fix these. As I mentioned, my hourly rate was $35 an hour, but for certain tasks that price goes up and the same goes for the friend who was working with me. It was definitely going to be a long job, which meant it was also going to be expensive for the client. We assumed they were aware of this, as we mentioned our prices and how we work, to which they agreed several times. After showing them the report, we were told we did a great job and were encouraged to keep on working and move on to the repair stage. We had already received the upfront payment of around $600, 
Knowing that they wanted us to continue working right after receiving the report, we did exactly that and simply included a breakdown of the time and costs we were expecting the job to take on the report. After all, we were still working with a deadline and no time should have been wasted. We were working with a third person given the time constraints and we once again notified them of this and the extra fees that would come with it. They weren't too happy, but it would have literally have been impossible for us two to finish all of it without some extra help. Knowing that, they finally agreed. We were giving them constant updates on the work we were doing and for some reason, they tried to stop us from doing certain tasks. It became apparent to me that they were trying to cut on the time spent. It was understandable considering their deadline. However, there were certain things that were crucial and needed time, yet they were still focused on the idea that these weren't important as their team could take care of it. At the time, I didn't want to say anything about that decision, but I was strongly against it because clearly their team, if they were the ones who wrote the code for some of this stuff, hadn't done a good job last time. Plus, it's better to get everything done with the same company, simply because different developers write their code differently, and what to one dev seems clear as day to another might seem like another language. It took us slightly less time than what we initially planned, but the job was finally done. We did a really good job, and although we took a lot of shortcuts, mainly because of them not wanting us to fix certain things, it was a solid fix. We did the last round of pen testing just to make sure our job actually made a significant difference, and it did. We made the final report and had a meeting with the IT team from their company. After they approved the job, we then went back to the CEO to discuss the payment. This is where everything goes down. We first emailed him. We assumed the IT team had already contacted him, and so we broke down our pricing and how we were expecting it to be managed. We had no response for a couple of days, which seemed odd, and so we decided to send another reminder email that the payment was still pending. Another week went by, and we still had no answer from them. As a firm, we still had more projects to work on, and so we left this on the side for a little bit, but since we never had run into such an issue, we were a little skeptical. We got in contact with the IT team once again, asking if the boss had been notified of the job and if everything was fine with it. It took them some time, but at last they replied. They stated that they had not yet notified the rest of the team, but that they would do so as soon as they could. We were starting to get angry. Some time had gone by, and we were still being ghosted by them. The job had already been done, and from what we realized, there was still traffic going through their site, which meant they were definitely aware of the changes that had been made, and the site had been updated successfully. They made a rookie mistake, though. And that's to assume that we, a literal cybersecurity company, would do nothing about them not paying us. And so we took down the site temporarily. Not something hard to do, we still had access to their network and stuff, so it was easy for us to pull the plug on their systems. We received an email from them not long after doing so. They were pretty upset, which was understandable, but at no point did they mention the payment which was still once again still pending. They initially thought it, ironically enough, might have been a cyber attack and that's why their site was down. Obviously they tried blaming us for doing a bad job and just to ease the situation a little bit, we said it was just us running some tests. After that they got even more upset, talking about how irresponsible that was of us and the amount of money they lost due to their site being down and blah blah blah. 
This conversation was all with the IT team, and so we requested we would from now on only give answers to the owner, as he was the one who initially contacted us and the person responsible for payment. We eventually received an email from the owner, who had ghosted us for around three weeks after the job was done. I decided to go straight to the point, and once again requested payment. He told us he could pay us once the month was over, and that's why he hadn't contacted us before. That didn't make a lot of sense because it was already a different month, and so with what he said, we understood that we'd have to wait another 3-4 to weeks for payment, and that ain't fair. We insisted that the site would remain down until we received our payment. To this, he made an offer. He was going to pay us the other half of the initial payment corresponding to the analysis stage of our job. We had already received the first $600, and with this payment, it would total $1,200. We were a bit hesitant considering they still had a lot left to pay, around $10,000 in total, but we decided to trust them, and so we went on with it. Just as an additional safety net, we made a deadline extension contract, and it also mentioned the payment being delayed. It was signed, and with that, their site was back to normal. And after receiving payment, we lost access to their network as well. Time went by, and we were fast approaching the end of the month. I sent a reminder email to them a week before the deadline, just in case. They sent a short reply, which simply stated, Received. Hmm. I sent another one the day before, and the entire team was ready to flame them if they didn't have the payment ready. We scheduled a video call with the owner on deadline day, but he never showed up. We were tired at this point of constantly begging them for payment. They were incredibly unprofessional, and so we had no other choice but to take legal action. We sent them a final demand of payment for services letter, including a breakdown of the amount owed. We didn't add any late fees because we were being nice to them and insisted that this was the final opportunity for them to make the payment. We heard from them not too long after, and they were really mad to say the least. They started by telling us right off the bat that they wouldn't pay us for the job because we didn't do the job they requested us to. They took our initial attempt to lock them outside of their system pretty badly and tried to use it against us. Their IT team completely turned on us, considering they were the first ones to review our job and told us it was good right after we finished it. Well then, we recommend you to lawyer up. We weren't sure if they actually didn't want to pay us because their site was down after we did the job, or if it was some other reason, but either way, this whole thing eventually ended up in court. We might have made a mistake by not considering the power this company had and the lawyers they could hire. We were still a small firm, and some of the money for lawyers came from our own pockets. Since we also never expected the situation to escalate as it did, we made a lot of mistakes on the way. For example, the addition of a third worker to the job was never agreed on the contract. It was just something we agreed on through email, and therefore they managed to completely disregard those costs. We also didn't have anything which was backing up the lack of work in certain aspects, even though these were requested by them to cut cost and time. That allowed them once again to use it against us and legally claim that we didn't complete our job as initially proposed. The case was eventually dismissed, and luckily they didn't press charges against us. We had still lost $10,000 and hundreds of hours, so we weren't going to stay empty-handed. Our entire firm was pissed, and so we planned our revenge. 
We took this matter to Reddit and contacted a group of people with experience in cybersecurity and hacking in general. We were going to break back into their system and trash the whole thing down. It was easier for us to attack their site considering we were the ones who placed the security barrier and we knew what had to be done to break it. However, there was still a lot of encryption which we didn't have any control over and therefore was still hard to get in. It was like pen testing from the outside and after many attempts, we were unsuccessful. That meant we had to get a little more serious. We decided to post confidential information on a dark web form. We mentioned possible vulnerabilities and backdoors and the personal information of some of the workers, including the owner, and claiming that anyone with access would be able to hijack their company virtually. That means a lot of money to be made for these evil hackers. We told them to go in rough and sure enough, they eventually cracked it. I believe the site was down for probably 5 or 6 days. That in and of itself is very, very bad for the company. But they also hijacked it and requested ransom money. Lots and lots of money was lost from their attack. Meanwhile, I was happy that they at least lost the money they practically stole from me. We luckily never heard from them, and to our knowledge, none of the hackers got caught either. I was a bit hesitant to propose this attack because I might be putting people's information at risk. That's especially wrong, considering that I try to prevent this from happening for a living. But heck, screw them. The firm's gotten significantly bigger, and we were relatively unbothered by what they did to us. After all, it was one of our largest clients at the time, and we didn't think that would eventually become the norm for us. Lawyers did cost a lot of money, and I know we lost, but like I said, we quickly recovered. Meanwhile, from what I've been told, their company was kinda ruined. The losses for them were way too big, and with upcoming months, they weren't able to make back these losses. So it sort of started as something that we did out of spite, and it blew up to an extent way bigger than we could have imagined. Totally worth it though. I think it goes without saying, but I feel like this company was probably nosediving right into the ground regardless, because if their operations shut down for less than a week, almost a week, and they cannot financially recover from that, they probably already blew both engines and they're headed straight for a bunch of trees. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.